church. Good morning, church. How are we doing? Let's give it up for our praise team. That was amazing, right? And I just have to say, um, you know, I'm going to introduce myself shortly, but for the first time since being here, I heard the the audience singing with the praise team. So I think we, we're getting louder and louder out here. Um, my name is Solomon. I'm Sister Faye's son. For those of y'all who don't know me, you'll be seeing me around with my tambourine. Um, I've been tasked with uh, reading our scripture for this morning. So I'll be reading from Psalm 66, the Christian standard Bible version, if you want to follow along. And it reads... Let the whole earth shout joyfully to God. Sing about the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awe-inspiring are your works. Your enemies will cringe before you because of, great, because of your great strength. The whole earth will worship you and sing praise to you. They will sing praise to your name, Selah. Come and see the wonders of God. His acts for humanity are awe-inspiring. He turned the sea into dry land, and they crossed the river on foot. There we rejoice in him. He rules forever by his might. He keeps his eye on the nations. The rebellious should not exalt themselves. Bless our God, you peoples. Let the sound of his praises be heard. He keeps us alive and does not allow our feet to slip. For you, God, tested us. You refined us as silver is refined. You lured us into a trap. You placed burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us out to abundance. I will enter your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows that my lips promised and my mouth spoke during my distress. I will offer you fattened sheep as burnt offerings with the fragrant smoke of rams. I will sacrifice bulls with goats. Selah. Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth, and praise was on my tongue. If I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. However, God has listened. He has paid attention to the sound of my prayer. Blessed be God. He has not turned away my prayer or turned his faithful love from me. Thank you, Solomon. I'd like to welcome everybody back from Mardi Gras. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, there's joy in this house, more joy than we can find uh, with beads, right? You know, like, Amen. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, like, we, uh, our, our city knows how to do three things really well food, football, and festivals. And, uh, and I can say I believe that uh, there's no other place where there should be joy leading the way than in the house of God. So our big idea for our joy message today found in Psalm 66 is that joy in worship is the Christian response. Joy in worship is the Christian response. I'm going to reread the first four verses, and we're going to unpack our supporting idea that joy in worship results from God's work. If it's the Christian response, it's the Christian response to God's work. 
So you see it says, let the whole earth shout joyfully Amen. to God. Sing about the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious and say to God how awe-inspiring are your works and your enemies will cringe before you because of your great strength. The whole earth will worship you and sing praise to you. They will sing the praise of your name. This Thanksgiving psalm, as we read it, will, will include both elements of corporate worship and individual worship. We should find joy both in when we gather with the body of Christ and also when we are before our God in prayer prayer and in his word and worshiping ourselves. And the psalm opens like, shout joyfully, right, to the Lord, all the earth. This, this word for shout joyfully is ruah in the Hebrew, and it literally is a battle cry signifying victory. The noise of our joy should impact the city in which we live. This word is translated as exuberant worship. Um, and we ask the question all the time, well, what is joy? And sometimes you've heard uh, descriptors of the differences between joy and happiness. And, and those are true. And, I, and I'll admit my own faults is saying that joy is this and happiness is this. And this is what the Bible says. Actually, the Bible doesn't make a distinction between joy and happiness. The definition of joy is happiness. The definition of happiness is joy. Now, when we look at our English definition of the words, we can see that joy is something that is, 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 that is rooted deep down in the soul. Y'all New Orleanians, like we have joy in like our culture in our city. We need to have joy in the Lord. But y'all know like whenever things are going wrong, we find a way to celebrate because it's rooted. It's like you ever been to a funeral, like a jazz funeral? Like people don't understand it. Like people that aren't from here don't get it at all. But there's a joy that's rooted in these things. And we as Christians evermore should lead in that joy. I remember when the Saints won the Super Bowl, uh, Laura and I I drove down veterans and there were literally people like out of their cars running up and down. It was crazy. Y'all remember that? Like it was crazy. And we, we made the mistake of driving downtown to see if there was anybody celebrating by the Superdome. It was a riot like a real riot, like <laughs> you shouldn't have been there. <laughs> it was uh, crazy. People on top of their cars celebrating and all that. And I'm not saying Christians should sinfully, so, sinfully worship and sinfully celebrate. But what I am saying is that the celebration that happens when our football team wins the game that we never thought they would win, right? I'm still celebrating. I don't care that it was, what, 14 years ago? I'm still celebrating, right? Like, we never thought that would happen in our city. And if we have that much joy for a football team, if we have that much joy when Miss Faye cooks chicken, you know, if we have that much joy when we get together with our family, how much more joy happiness and zeal should we have when we're in the presence of God and his people. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. I love John Piper's definition of joy. He defines joy this way. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Let me say that again. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in his word 
and in the world. God has created his creation. It was good. The only thing that wasn't good was that man was alone. And then all, honestly, Genesis chapter three, we, uh, we tainted his creation with sin. But have you ever been out in nature and just been awe-inspired by our creator? Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Like it just blows your mind away. Laura and I went to Niagara Falls one time and we were driving through Canada into New York and we were sitting there uh, waiting for the very friendly American custom. Y'all ever been through the border? The Americans, we're very friendly people when you're trying to get back in the country. Thankfully, I'd rather them be that way, you know, but but the Canadians like, oh, come on in, you know, <laughs> so, but uh, driving across, Laura just teared up when she saw Niagara Falls, just started weeping. It's because God's, we have joy in God's creation. He's awe-inspiring. And it says, let the whole earth sing his praise. We know, we talked about this on Wednesday night. If we didn't worship, what does Jesus say? Jesus says even the rocks would cry out, right? If we hear the sounds of the heavens, they are all giving glory to God. And what we see here in verse 2 is that our response to this joy is to sing about the glory of his name y'all i'm not a singer like uh i don't know if my if my joyful noise is joyful to other people but i know that it's coming from a heart rooted in joy we sing when we're excited about something even if guys we typically aren't singers right but but we do sing uh, if you go all the way back to the book of genesis and genesis chapter one and two the very first response adam had to eve was to sing a song he said, at last, at, at last, right? You know, she is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He sings a song for the one that was created for him. We sing when we're excited. We sing, uh, let the saints go marching in. You know, we sing coming to New Orleans. Like what songs are rooted in our culture. In fact, that's why our, our, our uh, mission statement here as a church is to love God passionately and to love people personally. Amen. The Bible doesn't say that. That's just love God and love people. Well, how do we apply that in our context? We live in a passionate city. Like I said, passionate about food, fellowship, football, festival, all these things. We should lead the way in passion. We live in a very interpersonal, disconnected social media. Not social media is evil. I'm on it. But there's not always social happening in the media, right? We are built for human interaction. That's why we love people personally. And that's really where we're going with this, this two-week message series about finding joy in worship. And then next week, we're going to talk about joy in service because God has created us both for vertical worship and horizontal expression. We sing about the glory of his name. God's name represents his total character. It represents all that he is, and we are supposed to magnify him to others. I love Louis Giglio. Have y'all ever heard of passion, passion music? I love his definition of worship. He says, worship is our response to what we value the most. Worship is our response to what we value the most. You know, I grew up in church and we started arguing about whether worship was contemporary, traditional, all these other things. None of that matters. Worship has to be authentic and passionate. I sat in a group of men up in Washington, D.C., and we sang some old ancient hymns I've never heard. You haven't even heard them in Baptist church growing up. Like, like I'd never heard. It was a cappella, and I felt the Holy Spirit there in such a way that a concert and arena could never replicate. 
But I've been, a, I, I was a concert promoter for years and, and I've been in arenas with Hillsong and some of these major, major worship bands and just felt the Holy Spirit in the place. Worship is not just about the environment. Worship is about who we're finding joy in and that environment. And so what we see is that joy in, in worship is rooted in God's work. And our four points today are going to be all bookended by what, uh, what Solomon read for us. You get to the word in the Psalms, Selah. And Selah is, a, uh, you know, it's kind of debated what the term means. It could mean pause. It could mean reflect. It could mean that it's time for the instruments to play. Uh, but what we do know is probably a combination of all of these things. It's really a time where we look at what's been said before, reflect on it, and then move on to the next thing. The Psalms incorporate Selah. Actually, the book of Habakkuk that we read in Habakkuk 3 incorporates Selah as well. And so as we get to this, these first four verses, we find Selah. Now we're going to go to the next three verses before we find a Selah again. And we're going to find how joy and worship results not just from God's work, but results from actually seeing God's work. Joy and worship. Have you ever seen God move? I've seen God move, you know, and if you haven't, like, don't just seek out the, that seek out the Lord and you will see him move. And so let's read the next three verses, verses five through seven. It says, the psalmist writes, come and see the wonders of God. Y'all know when we invite people into, uh, into the church, into Jesus's family, we should tell them, come and see the wonders of God. Now, the wonders of God aren't going to always be magnificent and spectacular. The wonders of God are at work even in the mundane. We are God's family. There's something that people experience even when they come to family church where there's just this friendliness and this openness among God's people. Actually, we're not perfect people and we admit it, but it's, we're, we're made perfect by the, by the perfect one who unites us. So when we say welcome to the family, we're saying welcome to a family of broken people who are united together to love God and love one another. And so we see, come and see the wonders of God. His acts for all humanity are awe-inspiring. Now he tells in particular some of the works that God did for Israel he turned the sea into dry land. Now, when we think about that, we think about the Red Sea. But we also think about the crossing of the River Jordan. Y'all know God parted the waters when they crossed the River Jordan. God even can move the winds and the waves when his people are in need. He turned the sea into dry land, and they crossed the river on foot, and he rejoiced, and they, there we rejoiced in him. He rules forever by his might. He keeps his eye on the nations. The rebellious should not exalt themselves. I know we look at our world, and we think that it's fallen apart, whether it be the war in Ukraine uh, with Russia, whether it be the China and Taiwan incident that seems to be ever brewing, whether it be the issues in Palestine and the West Bank and Gaza and Israel. And we look and now Yemen is always an issue. Like there's all these crazy things happening all around the world. But know this, our God is not unaware of what's happening. Amen. And he's in complete control. 
and he's working out everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So from all the earth, the focus now narrows down to Israel. And we see come and experience the wonders of God, what he has done for us. He has ruled forever. He is in complete control. And the fact that his eyes are on everything is a warning to those who are opposed to him that God will rule and reign by the same might in which he has showed out for his people. And therefore, we should not submit ourselves to our own reign and rule over his joy and worship results from seeing God's work we invite missionaries as much as we can last year we had the Johnson family from Thailand we let missionaries in here as much as we can to experience what God is doing all around the world why because we may not see God work in the way that he does in Thailand, that he does here in the United States. But when we hear about the report of what's happening, we rejoice Amen. because God is on the move and he has never stopped. You know, sometimes like I find it funny when we pray, Holy Spirit move. And I'm not saying don't pray, but like when we pray, God move in this place, Holy Spirit. God is on the move. The Holy Spirit is on the move. What we need to do is respond. This place is filled with joy. You just need to catch it and you need to become alive in it. And so we see that joy in worship doesn't just come from seeing God's work. Joy in worship, and we're going to read in this next part of this passage, joy in worship results from experiencing God's work. Let's read verses 8 through 15 together. Bless our God, you peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Solomon said, I could, I could hear y'all, you know, right? Y'all, if we're dead, we're never going to make a joyful sound that the world needs to hear. If we, if we let them see that fanaticism and all this stuff is, 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 is reserved for football teams and these things, like we should be the leading excitement in the city. I'm not saying every time you worship, you got to run around and act like a lunatic. Have you ever been to those churches where they make laps? You know what I'm talking about. Like if you want to lose weight, I'll give you a couple churches you can go to and lose some weight in the city. But I'm not saying we do that. But then the opposite of that is that, you know, the joy of Lord must you know, like we should have joy and joy comes, you know, your expression says a lot about what's on, on the inside. Like it does. It really does. And I'm not saying we should be happy all the time because we're not happy all the time, but we can have joy. I've, I've dealt with my, I'll, I'll use, I'll pick on Miss Jeannie, for example, because I know Miss Jeannie. I love Miss Jeannie. Miss Jeannie's battled cancer here for a couple of years now or more than a couple years, three years. Miss Jeannie is not happy doing chemo and doing all the and doing all these things. But when you see Miss Jeannie, like she has the joy and confidence of the Lord in her. She's more worried about praying for you than you praying for her. She's a humble herself and let people pray for her, you know, but like, <laughs> we love her, you know, but, but like, here's the thing. Joy is something that doesn't change. Joy doesn't come and go. You know, happiness is really something we should always have as well, because happiness, though, sometimes can be seen on the outside. I'm not saying it always has to be seen on the outside, but we should express that. Y'all know. The Psalms, which were which Laura read one, I'm I'm reading one now. Solomon read us the, this passage. The, the Psalms, you know, the majority of them are laments. 
The difference between complaining and lamenting is where you're putting your hope, hope and trust in. Lamenting is when you bring your problems and your cares to the Lord. And you trust. joy is really rooted in trust. That's what it's rooted in. And so we see expression shows that joy. And let's continue to read in verse 9. He keeps us alive and doesn't allow our feet to slip. For you, God, tested us and you refined us as silver is refined. You lured us into a trap. You placed burdens on our backs. This reminds me a little bit about the story of Job, right? Have you considered my servant Job? You let men ride over our heads. This is symbolic in that time of, of literally... Uh, if, if you know, a lot of Roman sculptures and, and in that time were, were, were uh, it shows leaders literally trampling on foot above those whom they have captive, captive, uh, they've captured and defeated. And so you've let men ride over our heads. You went through the fire and water. You brought us out, but you brought, but is a great word in scripture, but you brought us out to abundance. I will enter your house with burnt offerings. I will pay my vows that my lips promised and my mouth spoke in my distress. I will offer fattened sheep as burnt offerings and the fragrant smoke of rams. I will sacrifice bull with goats. Now, if Chris doesn't come next week with a bull that we're going to sacrifice, then we're not obeying God's word. Now, I'm joking. Y'all, in this time, they had to do things to make themselves right with God. And there were many offerings and vows that they had to make. Often Israelites, they would make vows when they were in distress. And this wasn't trying to manipulate God, but they would make vows trusting that God was going to do his part. And then when they came back, they would fulfill their vows. This is why Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't make an oath you can't keep. When we commit something to God, let's trust the God that we're committed to that he will get us to where we're supposed to be. Now, I know there are Christian phrases that make us feel good. I know uh, you used to go to the Christian bookstore. Y'all remember what those things are? You used to go to Christian bookstores and you get these little phrases, you know. I remember the, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And then I got older and realized that plan was captivity in Babylon, you know. In context, I know the plan. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Well, let's read the verses around it. In the highs and the lows, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. One time I used to, and, and I've been too cynical, so I confess my cynicism. But one time I had this, this, this uh, actually Laura and I had it on our wall for a little bit. If the Lord brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. You might not look the same on the other side but he'll be there. There's another one in the fire. He's there with us, even when it does, even when the situation doesn't seem like it'll work out. Book of Lamentations. Lamentations is a lament. That's what the whole book is. Lamentations, Solomon writes in Lamentations 3, verse 40 through 41. Let's examine and probe our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Let us live our, lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Y'all ever seen some of those jokes about the different types of, 
of worship uh, at Christmas. Uh, I forget the name of the comedians. Like you have the different types of worship. I forget. It's like holding the holding the what? Yeah, I don't know who who did who does that. Some Regan, Regan, something Regan. I don't know. We'll look it up and post it on the church so we can all make fun of ourselves. You know, you have the pocket worshipers, you have the, the twist worshipers, all that stuff. Here's what I want everybody to do. Do this with me. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. It's okay. It's okay. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. It's okay to do this in church. It's okay. And you can put them down. The Bible says that we're supposed to lift our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. You know what lifted hands mean? It means surrender. I'm reminded of Hurricane Katrina, like Laura and I, like many of you here that went through that storm, uh, we were actually, we were dating actually, uh, about to be engaged and married on the North Shore, and uh, it was about a month after the storm, uh, we saw some newspapers that we got our hands on, but you know how like none of us had power for a long time, we were at, I forget, was that restaurant in Baton Rouge, Ruby Tuesday, Ruby Tuesday in Baton Rouge trying to get some uh, gas, literally a month after the storm. I didn't even know if my dad was alive at that point. I haven't even made contact with my dad at that point. And I remember just seeing pictures like on the screen. It was the first pictures of Katrina that I saw on a television screen. And it was people with their hands lifted like for helicopters to come and get them. Why? Lifted hands showed desperation. When you're a kid and you fall, what do you do? You lift your hands for mom or dad to pick you up. I'm not saying you have to worship that way all the time. But what I am saying is that God commands us when we experience his presence to long for more. And the way we long for more is we, we reach out and we say, God, I'm here. Take me. I am yours. I am not saying that lifted hands is the only expression of worship. God may cause you to, to, to sit down and contemplate. God may cause you to fall down on your face flat and worship. I don't know what that posture is, but God postures us so that we can experience his presence. Joy and worship results from experiencing God's work. And sometimes the testing doesn't feel good, but do y'all know for like gold and silver to be refined? It's got to go through a smelting process of getting really hot. And then the liquid, the, all the impurities are, are, are swiped away. And a goldsmith will say that he knows that gold is not refined until he can see his reflection in it. Maybe it says something about us and Jesus. Sometimes we go through the fire so that the, the, the other stuff can be swept away so that we can mirror the one who created us and the one who is testing and refining us. Isaiah chapter 43, verses one through two says, do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. The flame will not burn you. Remember this every time we read Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is there. He is there guiding us. Even we don't like to focus on the valley of the shadow of death, but it's a real thing. And to get up to, all of us love the mountain. All of us love the mountain, but to go, to get up a mountain, you got to go through a valley and you got to climb. It's painful. 
And you know what? Sometimes you make it to the mountain, but then you got to go down. You got to go down and then start climbing back up. Life is that way. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward like the theologian Rocky Balboa told us. You know, it's a joke, not theologian. But we got to keep moving forward. And so we see that joy and worship results from experiencing God's words. Lastly is this, joy and worship results from hearing God's work. Now, this is where our testimony comes into play. Let's read and finish out verses 16 through 20. Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for me. Y'all, this should be our verse. We should follow this. Come and listen, all you who fear God. I will tell you what is done for me. Here's why, here's why it says all you who fear God, because listening to our story will only have impact when we respond to the Lord. God's in control of salvation. It's by faith. It's by grace through faith. We don't provide the grace, but he helps our faith to see who he is. It's not of work so that no man could boast, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Come and listen, all who fear God. I will tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth and praise was on my tongue. Y'all, we have to vocalize our needs to God. Yes, he knows our heart before we even ask, but what he calls us to do is to ask. If I'd been aware of the malice in my heart, the Lord wouldn't have listened. However, the Lord has listened and paid attention to the sound of my prayer. I love in verse 17 how he says that praise was on my tongue. The, he hadn't gotten the response yet. But praise was sitting there waiting for it. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise was sitting there waiting for it. Sometimes, y'all remember they had that song like praise you in the storm. Sometimes we have to praise our way through difficult circumstances. He was so confident that a song of praise was already in his mouth. And so should we. This is why scripture says when we gather... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with, to God with gratitude in your hearts. It means that when we gather together and we sing, we're not just singing to God, we're singing together as a family. We are all blessed by the experience, the hearing, and the, and the seeing of our worship in action, our personal testimony is powerful I would encourage you what has the Lord done for you Laura and I've talked about this before none of us had crazy childhoods like I mean I didn't go drinking and my first okay I'll confess it I've never had alcohol in my life until Laura and I were dating she ordered Irish coffee we she went she didn't know she's like oh Irish coffee cool my family's Irish I'd like to try that Neither one of us had had alcohol before in our lives. Neither one of us were 21. They didn't check. We get the Irish coffee. She's like, Dean, this burns. Why don't you try it? It's just like the Garden of Eden. When Adam, try this fruit. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Bless your heart. 
Like, not, we don't have a crazy testimony. Like, uh, there is nothing insignificant about your story. I want you to know that. There is nothing insignificant about your story. If your story is that your parents raised you well and you listened, you went to church, you had a drug problem, you were drugged to church, you know, right? Fred Luter came up with that one. Fred's a pastor in New Orleans East, but uh, that's your story. And it's powerful. Maybe, in fact, it shows how we should raise our children. Your story is powerful. Come and listen. I will tell you what the Lord has done for me. And the fact that the Lord has showed up for us gives us confidence that when we go to him, he will answer according to his will. This is what scripture says about prayer. James chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. I'm going to read a few verses on prayer, and then we're going to close. James says, you don't ask, you don't receive, you don't ask or receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. God doesn't answer every prayer that we ask because he knows what's best. Maybe you prayed for a loved one and they didn't make it. God knows what's best. Even in death, he knows what's best. But it still reminds us to pray. Prayer is a response to our trust, our joyful trust in the Lord. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. Isaiah 65, verse 24, he says, Even before they call, I will answer. And even while they're speaking, I will hear. God knows what you're asking before you bring it to him, but we're still commanded to bring it to him. That's why in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find help in our time of need. James 15, verse 16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful in its effect. Later on, he says, If we ask anything according to God's will, he will hear us. This is comforting. I love what J.B. Phillips says, the Holy Spirit in prayer has a way of short-circuiting human problems. See, prayer doesn't change God. God doesn't change. Prayer does change us. As we become more aware of the one in whom we should trust. And this is why the psalmist closes in verse 20. He says, blessed be God. He is not turned away from my prayer or turned his faithful love from me. This word in the Hebrew for faithful love is hesed. Same word that is used in the book of Ruth. That's talking about God's unfailing love. It's a word in the Hebrew that's really hard to even translate into English because it encompasses all the positive attributes of God. His love, his mercy, his grace, his kindness, his covenant loyalty to his people. Joy and worship results from God's work. Joy and worship results from seeing God's work. Joy and worship results from experiencing God's work. Joy and worship results from hearing God's work. And we know that joy and worship is the Christian response because joy and worship is the Christian response to God's steadfast love 
for us. So next time you're in the valley of the shadow of death, just know he's there with us. His rod and his staff are guiding us, protecting us, and comforting us. One is used to keep us from going over the cliff. The other one's used to beat off those who wish, wish to destroy us. And no, just as Peter said, the enemy, the devil, is prowling like a roaring lion. But praise God, we have a lion that has a real roar. He's a lion of Judah, which the book of Revelation talks about. And he's coming back for you and me. And he's there with us. And we should find joy in that. So I pray as we respond today, we will respond with joy that is rooted in the goodness of Jesus. And I pray that you would show that joy this week to anyone and everyone who will hear. And I want you to come back next week as we talk about how our vertical joy results in horizontal joy. It's going to be an incredible, transforming time, I believe, for our church family. Let's respond with joy. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that our joy is not rooted in circumstance. Our joy is rooted in you. So God, even in pain and suffering, like Peter wrote about, help us to find joy. As James wrote that we will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Lord, help us to know that at the end of, at the end of time, we have you. And it's, it's the breath that you literally pour out into our lungs through this life in which we live that gives us the ability to express that joy that we found in you. So God, help us to live with joy. It's in your name that we pray, joyfully, God. Amen.